The podcast you're about to listen to is part of the Professional Casual Network. To find more podcasts like this, please check out professionalcasual.com. The Professional Casual Network has gear. Check out teespring.com slash store slash professional casual for fresh new swag. Also, every month we're going to be giving away any one item to a Patreon backer at the $5 tier or above. Check out patreon.com slash professional casual for more information. Also, a special thanks to Built Bar for sponsoring the show. To get 10% off your order and to help support the show, use code PROFESSIONALCASUAL at checkout or use the link in the show notes. This is The Space Between. I am your host and daddy of the Professional Casual Network, Tim Executive producer France, and joining me tonight for this series, uh, you know, is the hot mama, the pimp daddy. He's the people rolling in their caddies. He's also the host of the Grim Podcast, A Perilous Adventure on the Professional Casual Network and Big Fiction Energy. He wrote a fucking book or whatever. All right, special guest, Dan fucking Cole. I'm not a special guest. Oh, fine. You seem special. You're just to a me. regular guest. Uh, <laughs> Also, friend of the show, friend of the network, host of the Carton Cast, K Rocker, and Hip Hopper. It's Ben Fumbus Wrangler Relliford. Uh, oh, thank you so much. Yeah. So today and for the next several weeks, uh, we're going to be going over season two of The Boys. It's coming out on Amazon Prime. It's fucking like real good or whatever. But before we dive into the first episode of season two, uh, let's take a minute and just go over our experience with The Boys. Um, I've only watched season one and I've read the first six pages of the comic right up until, uh, butcher's dog, um, assaults that other dog. Uh, I was reading a a chihuahua. Yeah. Whose name is Benjamin. I might add. Oh, (laughs) all right. Well, fucking sweet. Uh, and that's, that's far got. I love season one. I binged it. It was fucking great. It was everything I wanted it to be Homelander. Um, I don't know if it would have been anywhere near as good if he wasn't just such an incredible role played by an incredible actor who just fucking hits every goddamn point. Just right away. To. Just right away. We're already just going to gush about Homelander. Oh, yeah, like 10 much. seconds in. This is, this I'm is, not going to gush about Homelander. Don't worry. I was going to call this podcast boys talk, but um, it's pretty <laughs> much just going to be Homelander talk. Yes. Uh, Dan, how about, how about you? Uh, I watched the first season when it came out last summer. And then I watched the first three episodes of this season yesterday. All right. <laughs> I haven't read any of the comic. I never heard of it until the show came out. And I watched it and I thought it was amazing and one of the best superhero things I've ever seen. And I love to hate Homelander. Hmm. For sure. I like I mean, Joffrey, right? <laughs> Dan? What? No. Or like Joffrey. Or well, Joffrey was a, also a great character played by a great actor. <laughs> yes, the, yes. The Tim of Game of Thrones. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> same, same kind of relationship. Um, I would actually be very upset if Homelander dies though. I was not upset when Joffrey, you know, drank some bad milk or whatever. What's that? Also spoilers for Game of Thrones. Yeah, he gets, he's lactose intolerant. Joffrey is in Game of Thrones. Someone gives him some old milk and he, he gets the tummy troubles. (laughs) Ben, how about you? What's your experience with the boys? Bonjour, mon car. Uh, it was either that or Oik Hunts. So... Is that I don't know. I don't know what the uh, like language policy is on this. Fucking In any send case, it out. No one. Yeah, there's no policy. Yeah. OK, great. <laughs> Perfect. 
Oikons it is. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I've i been a big graphic novel, you know, ingester for quite a while. Um, I like Garth Ennis quite a bit. I read Preacher, which is one of his earlier works, and it's just as gratuitous and uh, insensitive, I should say, about like certain populations. For sure. um, but uh, I, I really love The Boys as the graphic novel, and I love it differently as a um, as a uh, as a as a TV as a you know TV production, um, and I'll probably be bringing a lot of context for that in. I have actually got all of my graphic novels right alongside me. I recently did a reread through all of them, and uh, it was just as much fun, if slightly uh, more uncomfortable, with my twenty twenty you know sensitivities. So very legitimately, like uh, before season one came out, I wanted to at least read at least some of the comics before I watch it. And I obviously end up doing that. It hits different in 2020 yeah. than it does in, uh, than it did in mid 2019, but it's uh, some, uh, unfiltered tobacco. Yeah. Yeah. There's it's a different world. You're watching it in. It's there. got a lot of pulp. Oh. But one thing I like about the, the reimagining of the series is that they bring a lot of like, uh, current issues to it. Like yeah. the me too movement. They like deal a lot when in that space and like how corporations kind of, you know, maneuver around that. So well, I kind of like how it's up to date. And one question I wanted to ask you, Ben, since you read the the comics, um, I just found this out today. Translucent is not in the comics at all. He is not. I think he was replacing someone known as Jack from Jupiter, who is sort of like a Martian Manhunter thing. His power was um, he could become invulnerable by saying his magic word, which you know, uh, one thing about the comics is that they're a lot more fantastical, a lot more supernatural than yeah. the show likes to be. The show is relatively grounded in in uh, in contrast. Um, but, yeah, he gets stabbed to death by Butcher at some point. So don't worry too much. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I also learned was that uh, and I remember this from the first six pages of the comic that I read <laughs> was that uh, Huey was drawn very specifically to look like Simon Pegg because um, in 2006, uh, Simon Pegg was a significantly younger and and uh, more readily working actor, and he was intended to play Huey, um, which he is why was. they put him oh. in as the dad, just kind of. As a, which is I totally to forgot this. he was the dad. Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, that was I a really nice Simon legacy Pegg. joke. There's a lot of like little bits uh, in the show that are specifically for people who are really familiar with the graphic novels, which is like candy to me. And I'll point them out as often as I can. But uh, like yeah, Simon Pegg actually uh, was really sold on the idea. They, you know, went through the legalistic channels to use his likeness for the comic books. And he actually wrote the foreword for the first uh, first graphic novel, which really? is really cool. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's actually yeah, yeah, yeah. super red. Um, yeah. So he's on board. So I guess let's get right into it. So yeah. episode one was yeah. called The Big Ride. Uh, Amazon dropped the first three episodes all at once. The majority of these first three episodes should come out pretty much right along before episode four drops this upcoming Friday. Uh, we can open. We pres- can we presume a foreknowledge of all of season one? Just oh, straight up. Yeah. So that's a great point. So if you haven't watched season one, uh, fuck you. Go watch it. <laughs> Pause this, watch season one of this podcast it, and then come back. Yeah. Yes. Season one of this podcast. Uh, what was it that about the Final Fantasy seven remake? Probably won't help you. Um, <laughs> that was the first episode of this podcast. Yes. Oh, but, you, got, uh, you guys did an episode on the remake as well. We yeah. Did. 
Yeah. I didn't realize that. Zane and I did that for uh, the Carton cast. Um, Dan and I had very different feelings on the uh, oh. the Whispers. Overall, we had so, so did feelings, we. But the Whispers, we were definitely on opposite ends. Yeah. Oh, I hated it. <laughs> I yeah, hated it the most. Dan hated it, too. <laughs> um, I saw, anyway. I, yeah. So anyway, episode one, we open uh, with a working lunch meeting at Voight. Uh, CEO Stan Edwards. I think Vaught is how they Vaunt. pronounce it. Yeah. yeah. It was like Voight. Just, just, just I, so I get ahead of it right at the beginning. I, I spell it differently like six times throughout these notes. They open up to a meeting a meeting with John Voight. Yes. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Voight. And his, Mr. Voight uh, himself. And his CEO, Stan Edgar, uh, is holding a meeting with the military. Um, I didn't really bother to look into what branch or if it was, you know. The military. It was, it was you know. Military. Government. Um, about Voight? Vought. Vought. <laughs> There's no I. About the Vought copper. Vought. Spelled exactly like Vought. <laughs> with a V. Uh, the Vought. Just in capitalism. Corporation becoming uh, a military contractor and what operational authority they might have. Um, this scene is split cut with scenes of Black Noir. Doing um, something. Doing something. Uh, yeah, doing a couple things. He's in the show. Um, in Al Zabandani? Zabadani. Zabadani. Oh, that probably is actually how it's said. Uh, Syria, right? It's Syria. 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 Infiltrating uh, super terrorist Nakib's compound slash loft department. Uh, Noir kills literally everyone upon entry. Slices some old lady's throat into her cup. Yeah, that fill was. It up. I was um, like, what's going on here? And then there was sleek. And it was like, oh, Black Noir is involved. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's clearly an element of he enjoys like the theater of it. it like yeah. it's not merely oh, a mission. Sure. It's also like he's performing almost. Which we pretty much find in the next three seconds as he literally tears that dude's jaw off. Yeah, of what his was that? Face. Um, so, so Black Noir, like maybe it, it stands to be said, like all of the seven are sort of like, um, they're, they're sort of uh, gestalt characters combined uh, superhero properties from other stuff. So he's kind of like Black Panther plus Batman, sort of? Question mark? Okay. Plus I guess. Wolverine. Didn't we find out in the first series that he has healing powers too? Well, I'm not entirely sure who doesn't have healing powers when involved with yeah, like... Everyone uh, seems to be know, able to take a considerable amount of damage in the show. Fair, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is something that Batman is not known for, tearing jaws off of people, like doing some some real MacGruber shit here. Yeah. <laughs> you put celery in his ass and walks around like a duck. That's exactly right. It's, it's a very strange juxtaposition scene to see. Um, so as uh, Black Noir is, you know, killing everyone, uh, Rafiq and Nakib are discussing what Nakib's catchphrase should be. Um, he suggests by the power of my holy fire, uh, which Rafiq feels is a little long. Because it is. And it is. Uh, so he tries burn in truth. Uh, as Rafiq is responding to this, uh, you know, a sword goes through his uh, back to front. He does get stabbed. He gets the old... Stabbed. Gets the old stab. I, I sort of like that uh, this super terrorist is kind of more into the idea of, like, the superhero uh, ideal than yes. any of the superheroes are like he needs to have a cool catchphrase that's easy to say in combat like he's kind of into the golden age idea of like theater superheroics 
which of I like think, you know fighting on a rooftop or something not like doing this weird shit in the shadows just to get a paycheck sort of thing so it's sort of telling i think it's super important because he's almost really trying to embody the american version of superheroes uh, yeah we we obviously we found out in season one that um homelander has been distributing compound v to um a lot of other countries to have international threats for him to go up against um and part of that was also Such probably toddler. <laughs> also part of that was probably instilling in them well you got to have cool t-shirts and you got to have a cool catchphrase so start yep. working on that as you develop your superhero powers did he have a superhero <laughs> name too i nakib uh shit i don't know did I like get that far uh i feel like like i mean it would have been more up to vaught to kind of give him a super villain name right super terrorist oh i beg your pardon well not yet dan uh, we'll, get, we'll get into that yeah don't break the timeline bud i'm gonna i um, it, they would probably give him a name like mr 911 or some shit like that <laughs> just something <laughs> awful just just to connect him with everything america hates a lot of the names in this are pretty Com- communism steve <laughs> um what uh what other catchphrases could he have that would have been a little bit better I mean, Flame On is taken, so... Not in this world. Flame On actually would have been a great one, I think. I mean, in this world it is, though. So for the TV show, they couldn't use it, because I'm pretty sure that's trademarked. I'm hot-blooded. Check it and see. Got a fever of 103. <laughs> um, I mean, come on, baby. You can do more than dance. <laughs> yeah, see? It's got something for everyone. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so, Dan, what would your uh, superhero catchphrase be? Oh, he should just do like Dragon Ball Z style and just stand there going... <gasps> For so, 10 minutes very thankfully they didn't um, <laughs> but he could like be on fire that whole time that would be season three is charging a single spirit bomb and then missing um but dan answer the fucking question what i just did super- oh that was your that was my why is that not an answer oh no for you not for nakib oh my my personal yeah all right well, what's well his power i might that actually have a superpower lot. so my superpower which works better the more blood relatives there are with me is getting to like a restaurant right be- or a store right before a big line forms. Mm-hmm. It happens all oh, the so time. You're, so you're also a super terrorist. Like this is just purely terrorist? negative. Yeah. That's just purely negative. It's a super greedy power that only helps you and the people you want it, it to It doesn't help. negatively affect anybody. Yeah. What are you talking about? They got to stay later. What? They're trying, they're trying help, to close up. I can't help that they got there when they died. Your super I happened to get there before a big line forms. It your superpower couldn't else. be... A moderate line forms and everyone gets through at a decent pace. It's not, you know, it, no, I it's didn't not that. It's the power, it's just how how the world works. So All my right. catchphrase is usually like, oh, hey, it happened again. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So what would your catchphrase be for that power? As I just said. Oh, oh, it happened again. Listen, man, I don't really listen to you. I kind of fade in and out. Oh, yes, ben, question, then ben how about you, bud? Uh, my superpower is just that I'm a I'm a, just a phenomenal lover. Oh, there you go. <laughs> nice. and like I, I guess my catchphrase is just like you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> and i just say it continuously throughout the whole process it's constantly um, i want to make sure they understand that they're welcome to this gift i am giving friend of the network. also anyone in earshot because i'm also a bit of an exhibitionist <laughs> friend of the network uh big chuck uh during whoopee will often say, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, what, what about you, Tim? What's your superpower? Uh, we will get into that. Uh, 
you know, probably at a different point because I didn't prepare an answer. Well, for yeah, that. you got you. We answered your dumb question. Uh, my superpower is every third time I poop, it's a no wiper. Oh, that's pretty good, actually. Yep. Yeah, man. Um, because that that makes your whole day better. Oh, for sure. For sure. And there's occasionally times where I don't know if you've ever pooped after a shower, but you feel like you kind of have to like completely start your day over. You might as well go back to bed. And it's not necessarily that Hashtag relatable content. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um, and it's not necessarily that it's actually a no wiper. I just don't wipe every third time. Um, oh, so it's kind of like this. You'll catch it up on the next one. Yeah, it's like a Schrodinger's uh, swamp ass. You know what I mean? Maybe it, maybe it was a no wipe or maybe it wasn't, but either way, I'm not doing it. Um, so anyway. I know exactly what you mean by Schrodinger's <laughs> swamp ass. <laughs> so uh, Nakib, uh, you know, yells out his new catchphrase, burning truth, and tries to blow up Black Noir. And like the whole thing, but like all the windows blow out it was a cool shot yeah, from outside the building. A huge <laughs> explosion. And all it really did was tear a little bit of Black Noir's left like his pectoral and, his and part face. of his neck yeah yeah that was it uh so uh can i uh so th this if we consider uh it, it this might be a kind of spoiler for the comics i don't know what our spoiler policy is. like do we want people who are listening to this to still enjoy the comics without having like huge spoilers or, nope, they or had the chance before season two came out Okay, fair enough then. So uh, in the comics, it is eventually revealed that uh, Black Noir is a like Homelander clone that's actually instilled in there to keep to keep tabs on Homelander in case he goes rogue. Oh shit! He's like better, stronger Homelander that is like mind controlled what? to have Homelander as a target if he goes rogue. Yo, that's rad as shit. <laughs> that's awesome. And, and there's a Why point are you in the comic. Us this? Yeah, they just ruined the, the comic for us. <laughs> what the fuck, Ben? <laughs> Dick move. <laughs> There's a point in the comics where he encounter he like survives an explosion and in the comics not everyone has homelander levels of invulnerability so that's like a small hint that there's something going on with black noir being invulnerable it's like a small tie into the eventual re eventual reveal gotcha. so I don't know if they're going in a similar direction with this but it's uh if I mean, if not but everybody has the invulnerability so maybe it's seems not like it how far into the comics is that reveal like really late oh is it okay cool yeah they sit on that for like 10 books dude oh shit all right um Oof. but yeah so black noir isn't really phased by it because he's a homelander clone um <laughs> so he cuts off the key right. and walks into some kid's bedroom you know in the uh compound loft and i got real worried yeah, so what was uh what was your well, thought? They've conditioned there? they've conditioned us from the last season at the final scene with Madeline and everything getting her face melted during a really serene moment. Yep. That like don't think that anyone's off limits. Like they're doing the Game of Thrones treatment. You love right, characters, yeah. they die. Correct. You think characters are innocent, they die. So this very easily could have been a, you know, noir victim here. I definitely I, thought it was gonna be like yeah no witnesses done yep that's exactly what i thought and too. i was like oh this is gonna start off rough and then he plays with the little stuffed rabbit plays with the bunny and just heads out <laughs> what what like look who's so talking dance right um so we cut to translucent's funeral um and what appears to kind of be like a mega church Awkward. Um, Homelander yeah. is giving a eulogy in which he explains that the cartel super terrorist uh, El Diablo is responsible for translucent's death and not a homemade bomb deployed via reverse anal prolapse. 
Ben, you had Sonny here, yeah. I feel like. You no, no, no. It's, I, look, I just love every scene with Homelander. Like, oh, gotcha. he sells it. He's so, like, method acting. He, he's, like, such a Shakespearean, like, overdramatic actor. Anybody who even slightly understands that he's not all there or that like he has a different thought process than what he's like portraying can yeah. see in an instant that he's acting but it's just he he believes it himself you know like he convinces himself to act this way and it's Correct. just oh just and like it, the, the the shedding a single tear calling him my brother like getting choked up it's it's all on purpose and it's all like oh well and it's so i, I love it he <laughs> I forget. Yeah, it's almost like a character. Name? I forget. I can't remember the title. Anthony, Anthony Starr. Ah, okay. yeah. No, he was Anthony in some Star. other superhero property, wasn't he? He played somebody. Uh, I don't know what else. I, I I don't, I'm not up. seeing any other superhero properties here, but maybe I just don't know what they're called. I remember I looked him up when I first started watching season one because I was like, this guy looks familiar, but he he doesn't usually have blonde hair. That's definitely a wig or dyed. But yes, that, I thought that scene was so amazing in that that Anthony started so well acting like he was a bad actor. Yes. Like us, you know, as, as audience members watching it, you could tell that it was, it wasn't Homelander being sincere, like Homelander was acting, but like props to him to, to be able to, to act for us to know that, you know what I mean? Like it's hard to explain. He acts like somebody who, uh, who knows he's acting and, and has gotten, and is, is very practiced at it. Right. Um, the superhero movie I was thinking of was without a paddle, uh, with Seth Green, Dax Shepard and that. Matthew Lillard. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Um, obviously I don't know. We're still waiting for the Seth Green cameo. <laughs> right. I miss Seth Green. We haven't seen him in a while. Um, I'm, I'm okay with never seeing him again. Oh, <laughs> I mean, he's, <laughs> I, I think I'm done with him. He's better in voice anyway. I feel fair. Um, robot chickens, you know, like I could Pat watch Oswald. that forever. Yeah. Yeah, actually. Uh, so what does everyone think about Vought using a clear casket here? I love that. I thought that was hilarious. You could, There's like even point, a depression. I was gonna say, you could see the depression yeah. of where his body should be. Obviously it's not there. We know, right. It's but everybody there. Jersey or whatever. Yeah, right, whatever they did with the parts. But I love that constant subterfuge and constant putting on the face. Like, yeah, he's dead. Here's his body. You can't see it because he's invisible, even if he's dead, which doesn't make any sense. But yeah, I love I mean, they've been prettying. They've been prettying up his death since like the beginning, since he died. Like, no, he's just on a top secret CIA mission. No, he's just out of town for a while on personal whatever. And like now he's dead. No, he's not exploded into a thousand pieces because. You know, he he needs to have died in a dramatic like 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 a way befitting a hero. And Asbom is not particularly conducive to that. So like the idea (laughs) that he would still be intact is important for the image. For Um, sure. It's all about the image for the the seven. I do love all of the different like taglines that are featured across the headlines of like the different like just. The, the different puns associated with the fact that he's, you know, he, he he's invisible um, or he can turn invisible like the um, out of sight, out of mind or out of, out of sight, never out of mind tagline that goes across the screen. Yes. <laughs> um, so Homelander gives a very forced and canned address about his last words with translucent uh, ref, uh, referencing translucent son Maverick, who's in the front row of the audience. Do we think Maverick is going to come back at any point or is that just a one? one off 
I'd be fine with it being a one-off. Um, it seems weird for it to be mentioned and like to have such an iconic name as Maverick if it's not going to come back. But right, that that was my thought too. You don't name your kid something that unless you expect him to be, you know, a fucking cowboy or something. So right, so they they cut the. Starlight. That's why I'm going to name my kid called Drogo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, someone needs to mount the world. Um, <laughs> Starlight uh, sings a closing song, uh, Never Truly Vanished, which is now out on Vonify. Um, Vonify is so fucking good. Uh, side note that uh, the actress who plays Starlight, Erin uh, Moriarty, is actually singing that song. It's She's a singer or something. Yeah, good for uh, her. Yeah. I like how Starlight is like dusting off the old, co- like the new costume and like playing the game, so to speak. Like she was kind of on the outs with it, with everything that happened last season. And now it seems like she's she's willing to play the game to get what she needs out of it, which is, you know, sort of hard to tell at this point. But like she's 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 eating some shit. She's eating some crow just as long as she needs to. It's like For- the Sansa Stark route where like. You know, yes. Lies are my shield, kind of thing. Like she has to play this part, or Correct. else she's screwed. That that's actually yes, a very good third point. Game of Thrones reference. Yeah, <laughs> especially coming right off of season one, where she kind of just backstabbed Vought very directly. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. that completely makes sense, especially if you're if you had just finished watching season one, going into season two, that she absolutely needs to play corporate friend now. Yep, for sure. Um, I hate I hate her corporate part too. What do you mean? I hate that role she has to play where she's always like, yeah, oh, I prayed for him every day. And oh, yeah, like especially because she just kind of denounced her religion last season. Right. Like this is all bullshit, isn't it? Because I don't remember. Annie is so not that. But like Starlight, like when she's Starlight, she's becoming this completely different person, which is just I love that aspect of it. But I hate Starlight. Well, it's almost like a trained skill. Like as we talked about with Homelander. Like he puts on that character face so fucking quick, yeah, and it's immediate, and he's fully in it. Um, well, they're both trained in different ways to be you know, to be publicly, you know, smiling, and always, yeah. and they have like that glamour shot or whatever, walking down the carpet later, where they're like arm in arm or so, something, and you can see like Starlight went through that training with her mom. Uh, Homelander probably went through that training kind of just like as a as a defense mechanism. Like if I don't behave, I just get locked in my box and I never see anyone. Right. Like the, the yeah. Yep. More more Homelander chat. <laughs> um. So we we cut away from uh, the service to fucking Big Dick Deep himself, and uh, <laughs> what appears to be like a casual dining restaurant, like a Chili's or something like that. There's goofy shit on the walls, yeah. and there's like there's a build your own burger ad. Yeah. Um, drinking lava flows, uh, which by the way is made of one ounce of light rum, one ounce of Malibu, two ounces of strawberry or strawberry puree, a banana, pineapple juice, and coconut cream being a really great source of healthy fats, by the way. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um, I would drink it. He doesn't need it. He looks good. Yeah. He looks, he looks good. He's a bad person, but he looks good. Oh yeah. Yep. Bad on the inside. Tasty on the outside. Very uh, tasty. The deep- but that's a nice cut of ahi Ahi? Ahi tuna? Yeah. Yes. I was going to try to sing Mahi Mahi. Great and it Mahi didn't work Mahi. Well. Great Mahi Mahi. Mahi. Uh, there you go. He's watching the service uh, on the TV in the bar and ends up flipping out because the only part of him that's shown is his shoulder. That's my shoulder. That's my shoulder. They cut me out of that picture. And I really like how the assumption is that the bartender is going to threaten to call the police. And he's like, listen, if you don't get the fuck out of here, I'm going to call TMZ. I love that. Line. And he just like straightens right up. And he's like, all right, <laughs> fine, whatever. 
the deep has like this whole arc of getting more and more depressing in a way that is certainly played for laughs, which I'm not entirely comfortable with through this whole this whole arc. Um, I'm not sure how you guys feel about his sort of slightly humanizing, but also played for comedy sort of uh, sort of journey here. Yeah, it, it it feels a little bit too much on the nose, almost like, hey, let's make fun of Aquaman because he sucks, which is kind of how <laughs> yes, I felt like this character's written a little bit. It's oh, like, 100%. oh, he's the fish guy. No one gives a shit. Um, right. And constantly they show like whenever he uses his powers, it ends up awful. Yeah. Like every time. Yeah. yeah especially when he actually tries to do something. Well, like so nice. go back to season one when he tried to rescue that dolphin and right. he ends up getting it killed, of course. Right. And it's just. He's the worst. What a great scene that was. Not not merely front windshield. (laughs) Not merely that he fucks it up, but also like the context of him saving it is the dolphin falls in love with him. Just like every part (laughs) of his story is just like (laughs) ludicrous comedy nonsense. So stupid. Oh. Um, so great. We cut back to the Samaritans embrace, uh, which is the mega church where Translucent Service was. Um, and we see just a massive field of people selling out of sight, but never out of mind merch two for $64. I'm which glad he said even it a couple at, times. Cause I didn't catch it at first. I was like, yeah. wait, what that? Oh, it's so That's excessive. And there's like plates lined up on a wall in the background and shit too. Like it's, this is all no, like consider for a second. This, these are commemorative things. And also the seven are like the top superhero group in the, in the world. Right. Like they are that, like the celebrities of the world. It seems like, I don't think that that that's that ridiculous. Like when, um, there were a few, a few years ago, the Pope came to Philadelphia and they had like Pope Francis bobbleheads for like 15 bucks on the, on the sidewalk. Right. So 15 like, bucks is reasonable though. Thirty two dollars for this is only a little more than twice that. What's your problem? All right. Well, so what's the conversion rate? The deep is worth two popes then is what I'm hearing. The deep. Uh, I'd give it that. Yeah, I'd give the deep two yeah. popes. Absolutely. <laughs> right. In his deep gills. Two popes. Right. Um, is it more offensive that they're peddling merch outside the service or is it more offensive that the shirts are just so fucking expensive. It's just a white t-shirt with some words on it and a really small icon. If it was a nice shirt, oh, it's, the plates in the background, sell. even I could assume, could be more. Bobbleheads. That, that's this, That's going to sell with the irony crowd, though. Like, for the translucent shirt to just be a blank tee? Come on. Oh, shit. I'm thinking. Come on. <laughs> All right. All right. All right, fine. Fuck you. But whatever. Okay. I, I love all of their um, Vought fake universe shit. Oh, yeah. Like the whenever I'm watching a cartoon or, or a show and instead of McDonald's, they go like McArnold's or McDonald's or something like that. Just right. like replacing real world franchises with this dumb made up shit and just milk it for like the writers must have loved creating oh, Spotify. Sure. You know, that's so what that's such that? a good. That's a real thing. That was on the show. I thought you made that up in the notes. No. So no, I, there's a totally there. at the funeral I now totally available on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> There is a there's a bunch of times in here where I'll get into very specific Vought things and no, it's all it's all in there. It's but it's also world building because nice. Vought yeah. like no, runs the fucking world. Mm-hmm. Like they are Apple or Google. They like, are they're... Google and Apple and Coke and Pepsi and McDonald's. They are it's and everything. <laughs> they're everything. Yeah, just the world revolves around them. Um and superheroes. Right. <laughs> and I think it's just maybe because it's kind of a Seth Rogan and Evan Goldberg deal. Um, that they spend a lot of time doing that other kind of little inane shit to kind of sneak in their sense of humor, which I just really appreciate. Right. Oh yeah. It's very clever. Love it. Um, in season one, two of the, uh, media consultants that come in, um, 
to rebrand Starlight. Um, the characters' names are Seth and Evan in homage to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I remember that and being like, oh, I get that. Um, Homelander and Starlight kind of have this weird publicity thing where they're holding hands, kind of acting very couple Yeah. Um, do an interview, and Starlight, to Ben's point earlier, really lays on thick the like, I'm a member of all, and it's okay, and everything's good because Homelander's here. And even kind of makes him the savior of the seven in addition to the savior of America. Right. Um, one of us died and one of us got kicked off the team, but we're still the seven because we have Homelander. Right. Well, one is having an active heart attack right now. So. Right. I mean, he's, I think die. she's probably she's probably covering for the fact that a train's not dead and might like rat on her later. Like she's trying to create some distance between the oh, betrayal. Sure. And so she's she's playing the part as she needs to be. She's getting that armor up. I mean, when the symbol yeah, of peace yeah. dies, somebody needs to take over. Um, <laughs> have no fear, for Homelander is here. Ugh. You're not going to get that, Dan, <laughs> until you watch that fucking show I've been telling you to watch forever. <laughs> I, don't, um, I don't have time. I'll do it someday. We get kind of a montage that's kind of played side by side with um, Starlight and Huey getting up for their day. Uh, Starlight, or actually Starlight kind of winding down her day, taking off um, the extra hair extensions and uh, the bra padding and all of this shit that, you know, in season one she was really kind of against, while Huey waking up kind of in a shithole. Total. Uh, grime kinda, and stuff Definitely anywhere. a shithole. Uh, Mother's Milk at one point says, um, talking about the beds in this establishment that Huey's waking up in, is that they have 21 flavors of semen built in. Flavors. Yes. Flavors, <laughs> flavors, though. Yeah, that was like, ooh. <laughs> Not colors, flavors. Uh, <laughs> but I, I really like that juxtaposition of both of them kind of waking up in their own way, that, yeah. or like, you know, going through their day in their own way. Because one thing, it, it makes Starlight seem really glamorous, and Huey mm-hmm. seem like really kind of derpy and... And naive and innocent, which is like kind of their roles right now. Yeah. Um, but it also sort of underlines the fact that neither of them is really in their own life. Like they're both being displaced out of their comfort zone into like these roles that are not coming naturally to them. And they sort of have to play a part because their own lives are kind of lost to them. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Now, Ben, in the in the show, they were under like a gold and silver pawn comic books like a whole bunch of shit electronics place in the comic book version. Are they in a similar situation? So they're never, so this is actually like deep comic book lore, but uh, like for the entirety of the, of the, of the books, they're actually uh, kind of on CIA payroll. So like they have like a whole, they're oh. in kind of an abandoned building that got refurbished so that they could keep a low profile, but they're, you know, kitted with, with, with weapons and Intel and everything like that. But there is kind of a connective tissue to this, uh, this you know, gangbanger hideout uh, that Frenchie, Frenchie just has like a bunch of fucking friends and yeah. like some moves and drugs and shit. Um, there's there's connection there because you see Huey coming out of a comic book store that it's on top of this hideout, and in the comic books, uh, one of their main kind of intelligence sources is this comic book shop where basically Stan Lee is just chilling in the basement and he like kind of did the dirty laundry for all of uh Vought throughout the years and he's got all the secrets oh, all shit. the secret intel and he's just known as the legend so i think that this is a deliberate like oh they're coming out of a comic book shop well very often are they going into a comic book shop in order to get you know additional uh additional intel so so do you think and you know this might be a little not dark but just depressing um 
If Stan Lee was still alive, do you think that they would try to include that role in there for him? Oh, I him fucking it? hope so. I bet I they would have. Like, it doesn't look like Stan Lee, but it's got all, like, the familiar, like, kind of uh, wrinkling and, and kind of, like, expressions and, like, just the fact that he, he's he's definitely an XP of Stan Lee, right? He's definitely, like, a, a cutout of, of Stan Lee and made into comic book form. But he's also, he also has no feet and is a little person, so, like, it's not precise. <laughs> Maybe they could get Peter Dinklage and just old him up Yo, a little. Also has no feet. <laughs> what? Also, also has no feet. Um, so as Huey walks through um, this area that he's in now, um, we see a bunch of get, kind of gang members boxing up some type of material and putting it in A-Train shoe boxes. What do we think this is at this point? Is this Compound V? Is this just regular old drugs? Is this um, bath salts or... The sand that you put in fish tanks to make it look real pretty. It, it's it's knock off the deep fi- action figurines. You know, it's bootleg <laughs> the deep action figures. Oh, there we Nobody go. Nobody wants those. Nobody um, wants those. I didn't catch that they were A train sneakers. Boxes. Yeah, it was the blue boxes with the big A on the side. Um, I like that. that at least I'm now. assuming that issues come in. I think it's just drugs. I think it's just trying to give some local color to the situation that they've found themselves in. This is our first time checking back in with the boys. And it's just like these are they are in dire straits. They're on the run. And this is the only kind of security that they can get is in a in a wretched hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I think it's just like drugs, you know, like I don't think it matters too drugs. much what's in there. I wasn't oh, wow. sure just because it was being put in the A-Train boxes, I just assumed it was trying to tell us something more. And I, I constantly read in to small details that don't mean anything. I think they probably included that more just to show that he has merchandise like that. Like, you know, Jordans yeah. or whatever. You can get your A-Trains. Yeah. So, I, I don't... Maybe there's more to it. Maybe that's something like a little seed they planted for later on in the season. But I feel like that was just a show. They're at a CD place. There's other stuff going down here. And there's other world merchandise. I think it was trying to evoke like those tones of like urban crime. Yeah. Just uh, in in a generic way. Uh, Also, like it wouldn't make a lot of sense if substance if uh, because like it's a huge secret from the public. Right. Uh, Compound V is like the big. Uh, the big uh, the big secret behind Vought success, like a large, large part of their brand is that their superheroes are uh, are God given powers like yeah, the, they're true. chosen. They are all natural. And the idea that V could just be, you know, like just just sold on the street. For, just for, you know, however, yeah. And just like, yeah, you know, <laughs> just for fun. Maybe one day um, we'll get there. But uh, so Huey leaves. uh he hits up a subway. Um, Starlight comes in kind of at an opposite angle. They sit down and you kind of don't get a great feeling of if it, this is like a, oh shit, they run into each other and now they're both looking awkward and they haven't seen each other since they broken up or since everything happened at the end of season one. I thought they were going to, it was like, I thought it was going to be like a red herring kind of thing and they're each going to be seeing something different. And then they like walked up to each other and I was like, oh, they are yeah. right there. Okay. So, so they walk up to each other, they sit down, they have this super fucking awkward interaction um huey gives her this, this piece of paper with a it looks like um like a personnel file on someone that works for for vaught thank you um and she kind of gives him this like oh i can't do this i know this guy this is really weird and then huey asks her about 
who she was with at the Teen Choice Awards or something fucking stupid. He just he makes it so awkward. Yeah, it it's, it's painful. Like to watch. time and place, yeah. my dude. I love the body language they showed in that scene though, where mm-hmm. like they specifically showed their legs to show they were right up against each other. Their legs were touching, like flush the whole thing. Yep. He says something weird and kind of awkward, and then she crosses her legs so they're not like up against each other anymore. And yep. he's like, "Oh shit, I messed that up." Yep. Which is so like teenagery kind of behavior which i i just thought was great at that moment it really is like it's it like was that uh, awkward relationship that they have at this point i saw you went to mcdonald's with brian flannery so are you two like a thing now or like what's the fucking deal are you stalking me would you share on? one mcflurry what the fuck <laughs> um you don't even like oreo <laughs> But Tim, I feel like you're getting a little personal there. Yeah, well, all McDonald's has now is the fucking Oreo ones and it's bullshit. Not liking Oreo is a red flag, to be fair. <laughs> Oreo's not bad. They just used to have Reese's peanut butter cups in them. Oh, that's always And why bad. would you not choose Reese's peanut butter cups in it? No, that's valid. You should um, dump her. <laughs> McDonald's? Yes. <laughs> yeah, Wick Arnold's. Wack Donald's. Um, <laughs> but so it's pretty much we get the feeling that they're broken up. Right at this point. Well, or I mean, there's, there's, there, there is there's something there. Like, it's not entirely like the embers are still there. Like, it right. could be rekindled at some point. It's just like the circumstances are fucked up and they can't really do anything about it. Like, I think it's just a mutual acknowledgement that uh, I still have feelings, but we can't act on this at, in any way. So we're on pause. Right. I feel like it could be rekindled pretty easily based on this scene. The fact that Four. they were both OK with being right up against each other Yep. on the subway. They're talking. Not that strained while they're talking like business, but once they got off of that, it got awkward, and and then it was like, all right, this is done. Yeah. Um, we cut over to the deep, uh, having an existential crisis Yay. at a kid's water park, <laughs> talking about, you fucking bitches haven't even been to the Mariana Trench. It's real dark and cold and lonely there. You you just run it? around. You think water is your thing to play with? Like, it's really good. The police show up. Uh, it's actually a really quick scene. Um, so good they just arrest him it's a great really quick scene though i love have you haven't even been in the mariana's trench and like what wait why have you what is going on um and then back to ben's point uh from earlier i just feel like i completely agree that the deep's been being played for comedy here and there's no substance there um, no, I mean, it, it does show his arc just kind of into rock bottom, as they later say. Right. Right. He, but it's, it's the same. It's just the same thing over and over again. It feels like especially it feels towards, repetitive. Yeah, well, that was purely just a plot scene to get him into jail. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, it was just a segue into something else. Uh, and also kind of like as a balm from the awkwardness with Starlight and Huey, I guess like there is a there is a place for lighten the tension with comedy i don't love that it's always with the guy that we saw sexually assaulting starlight last season like how he's just a he's he's a tool of comedy now as opposed to like someone we should still be upset with in in certain i don't know it it feels odd to me that he is the comedy device well and they they completely downplay it especially throughout at least the first three episodes of the season where the sexual assault is like not even an issue it's yeah it's, it's a it's a thing of the past he's having well, a real tough time right now it's brought up a couple times right but oh i don't know it feels like only in passing like it's not given really it, any it isn't it isn't given have. focus let's say yeah 
it gets it gets mentioned. There's there's facets of his character that get revealed that comment upon it, but it's not given focus. Like he and Starlight have not like had it out or or had a meaningful conversation about it or anything. Right. So it is still sort of up in the air. Um, yeah, right. Because I feel like in they, any case. they did that in season one, so they don't need to rehash it all again in season two. Like that's why he got fired from the seven and everything. Right. But he's never like accepted responsibility for no, it. It's, it's the personal. Hasn't. It's the personal part of it. Yes. Right. It's like publicly he has been shamed, but he hasn't really acknowledged it. Well, and it's, so he got he got shamed and transferred like a Catholic priest. You know what I mean? He just got sent to Ohio instead of the New York. This was an isolated incident. No one knew anything about it. Right. None, this never happens. We're all a loving family. Right. It was a misunderstanding. Um, misunderstanding. Yeah, that was what he used. Right. That's what he said. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I didn't know. She never, she never said no. How was I supposed to know? I'm not a mind reader. I just talked to fish. Um, we get an incredible channel surfing scene here, uh, with Seth Rogen talking about the direction of the translucent movie franchise. I love it. Superhero movie nerd. (laughs) So great. Um, even his fictional persona. So great. Just, uh, we, uh, we also, then it's, it changes the channel to a show called a closer look with Chris Hansen, um, that shows just a fucking spot on, um, like lifetime movie, lifetime rendition. reenactment of the ending of season one, uh, so great. which initially the dude that they had playing, uh, the reenactment version of Billy butcher looked like Chris Evans to me just in the initial shot. And I got really excited. I was like, yo, that's really awesome. It's actually really a guy. Funny named um kim wyatt mckenzie i ended up looking him up on imdb um some of his higher (laughs) roles uh he played a guy named kyle uh stud that guy and industry professional number two um he he delivers uh my favorite line so far uh in the scene um from the end of season one where he he blows up uh mallory um he says shut your trap you dumb bird or else i'll bullocks you um which i've never you seen you gotta say it with like an australian accent though not not a not a cockney accent in australia yeah uh good day so I, I can't do it shut your trap you dumb bird or else you try yeah uh, Chris Hansen actually is on the Chris Hansen show, continues the narrative saying that uh, Billy Butcher blew up vice president of Vought. Hey, got it. Uh, with 30 pounds of C4. That's a lot. It's of C4. not a small amount of C4. He's not fucking around. Well, to be fair, it was trying to trap Homelander, right? So. Right. Yep. So, so maybe he did. You know, over Overkill would be the way to do it. I can't remember how much he didn't have. Yeah. I, I don't. To blow I do. Up. I do really like how the TV movie equivalent of that scene is somehow tamer than the actual <laughs> scene itself. Cause like he would never say you dumb bird. He would say, Oi cunt <laughs> over right. and over again for the entire thing. Rocks a bollocks. You. I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> so goofy. Uh, an eight, eight, eight number appears on the, on the TV for you to call um, and shows the rest of the gang as wanted fugitives. Turns out poop that the, Gangers that the the boys are hanging out with are Frenchie's friends uh, from season one that had gotten him help, I believe, with a medical something or something at some point. I didn't really bother to look into it, uh, but they I really are like Frenchie's like reimagining of just like he's the guy with connections. Was in, he not in, in, the comics, in the comics? In the comics, they each kind of had a separate role. Frenchie and the female were the muscle, despite being the smallest people in the group. They were just there for killing. That's it. Really? Frenchie was? Yeah. Frenchie was the muscle, yeah. Was he like a knife guy? Was he like a stabby guy? 
Uh, he, nope, just like thumbs and eye sockets and everything. Like, oh, she, he, he right. and the female were both just kind of like just eviscerate people. You know, it's all muscle. Um, Huey and Butcher were kind of the people who like went to talk to people and, and chase down leads and stuff. And uh, MM was actually kind of like the like exo, like he was like the kind of person who doesn't have the strategy in mind, but he kind of gets all the logistical details done. Like despite him being gigantic, basically built like Shaft in or in in the in the in the books in the comic books. His role was purely investigation and like maintenance. He didn't have any muscle equivalent. No, that was all Frenchie and fe- and the female. That's okay. funny. Do they ever mm-hmm. end up calling the female Kamiko or give her any of nope. that? Or just she's the female the whole time? She, yeah, it, it, not terribly enlightened Garfinis in terms right. of uh, the, his comic books. But uh, yeah, he, she was just the female, um, which is not great. I like that she's got a name here. So it's a step up. Yeah, it's nice that she gets a name. <laughs> Women, women's rights, they have names now. <laughs> <laughs> Women are people too. You 2006 know. was a different time. You know what I mean? Um, That's fucking true. They discuss their options. Huey proposes getting some compound V and exposing Vought. Uh, Butcher yeah, is man. missing. And more importantly, uh, the group doesn't really have a leader. They don't really have a central driving focus on on what it is they're going to do. Um, and Frenchie and, and uh, Mother's Milk kind of give him this like, why are you... You don't make the ideas, bud. Like they just kind of completely brush them off. You don't make the ideas. You're just a dumb like kid. He just started. He, yeah, they keep calling him kid for the entire time. Right. Like the new, the new guy, the new kid. They just de- belittle him, right? Um, but they do. I mean, he is kind of the person. I don't know. Like, I get the feeling like he's the person best suited to maybe take over the uh, b- butcher's leader position, just because. To him, and doesn't he say it here? Like, I don't have anything else. Something yeah. to that effect. Yep. Whereas, like, MM still has his family, and Frenchie now has like wh- whichever confidants he has um, from the first season, and also Kimiko. Um, this is the only thing in Huey's life now. He's lost his dad. He's lost his job. He's lost everything except for this. So, like, yep. he's sort of got that single-minded purpose driving him, and no one else except for butcher does we get a scene with homelander going through uh madeline stillwell's office um which is in the process of like being repainted and and refurnished and stuff um he kind of picks up this picture of him and her and looks longingly at it um and then he checks her mini fridge and in the freezer portion there's a leftover bottle of breast milk uh he fucking fires eye lasers at it to warm her up and then just does this. Oh, and just the actor that plays Homelander so fucking good. <laughs> oh my god, the the decision to make his relationship with Madeline both maternal and sexual was mm-hmm. inspired. It's so weird. I love it. It's so so just fucking spot on. So he warms up uh, so this dead lady's frozen titty milk and <laughs> closes his eyes in the way. No, <laughs> and just the way that he boob juice. Yeah, sorry. My, Thank my you. Apologies. The technical um, term. <laughs> memory milk. Uh, Liquid gold, we used to call it. <laughs> well, oh. Did you? Oh, good. Yeah, because if any of it, like if it was wasted in any way, it was like losing gold because, you know. Because you can sell breast milk to kids need that. Kid guys in gyms that really want to get it. Good no, it gives superheroes erections. A long time. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> 
Um, but he like licks it at first, and his eyes oh, are yeah. closed the whole time. It's, his eyes oh, roll back in his so head. Oh, it's an incredible scene. So good. It's an incredible scene. And then I, Ashley walks in. And Ashley fucking yeah. So I didn't think that she was coming back. Yeah, I didn't either. I thought it was just gonna be Gus. Uh, from yeah. now on. Yep. So did I. Gus. Uh, <laughs> From, uh, Breaking from Breaking Bad, Bad. Uh, Stan yeah. Edgar Giancarlo Espinosa. Yes, that's the one. I love that name. Um, so Ashley comes in, interrupts him. Uh, probably about to get off to this fucking breast milk. He's like, Oh, yeah, like visibly hard. Point. Yeah, yeah, he finishes it quick and like drops it in front of him with his back turned to the door. Um, yeah, Ashley uh, is going in there. I guess she's taking Madeline's job, um, on Homelander's recommendation. Um, she's there to introduce a potential new member. To replace Translucent. His name is Blindspot. Uh, he's a differently abled diversity hire. Uh, he seems kind of like a combo of Daredevil and Bullseye. He's blind, but he's got like super hearing and he just fucking chucks knives and spears and staffs and shit. He looks actually kind of cool. red. Yeah. Jumping around in the training room, the gym. I wanted to know more about him. <laughs> seems awesome. So did I. So Homelander. I like how he wore like the classic mask, but it totally covered his eyes. That was kind of neat. Yeah. yeah that, like the, the goggles were opaque or whatever. Yeah. So Ashley is kind of like, you know, he's differently able. This is going to be really good for, you know, optics. Uh, and Homelander goes into Homelander character initially at first. Yeah. And he's like, oh, this is like, yeah, this is a big smile. The pearly white. I was waiting it's for all... something awful to happen. <laughs> You're the real hero. You've overcome so much. You know what I mean? Like it's he's so fake. Uh, yes. Yes, he is. Um. Right before walking up to him, looking like he's going to embrace him, give him a hug, welcome to the team, and just boxes his fucking ears. Well, I love it. He's like, well, what do you think you would do if I did this? Bam! And then, yeah. he, oh, my God. And it was like, oh, God. I thought he was just going to smash his head. Yeah. Because he could easily just like a like no, but like the, watermelon. Yeah, but the, the, the point wasn't to do that. The point was to have him on the ground screaming so that Ashley knows, listen, you don't like I'm I'm establishing a working relationship with us. Right. That whole handler shit that Madeline had with me. That's not what's going to happen. Like I'm she lied to me. To I'm never taking another chance with my handlers. Um, I set the terms. Right. Oh, it was so I didn't know what to expect. I knew it was going to be awful. And it was. Yeah. But it was <laughs> I wasn't expecting him just to go and box his ears. Well, and to me, <sighs> When when this scene happened, when he boxes those ears and he's like, oh, you're just you can't bring a fucking cripple in here or whatever it was, he says. Do you think he's actually upset about the cripple part or if it was just because Ashley did like it could have been anyone? I, I bet it was almost. both. I, yeah, I think it's both because he has that, you know, we are better than people. We are um, God complex. It's the God complex. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he then he, as we discussed, lays into Ashley and says that she could go back to pushing diva cups, which is not a sponsor of the show. Um <laughs> <laughs> but, but should be. I guess I, I did. I did want to mention, like, you can see so clearly that he's being affected by the trauma that he lost someone he loved. Like, he definitely loved Madeline. I don't think there's any question about that. Right. He did kill her, but there was definitely something there that he no longer has. He's going through some grief, mm-hmm. and he's not so good with grief. Um, I think that his character oh, generally always comes back to childhood trauma that he can't get over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so in moments like these, he behaves like a toddler, like he he has he's able to kind of mask that with his actor persona. But like all of his actions are I'm pissed off. So that guy pays for it and you're at fault. And like, I'm not thinking about the long term ramifications of anything. I just I just want you to understand. I just want to hurt you is, is essentially kind of how he's acting. Right. Um, 
And he makes it very clear no one joins um, the Seven without his sign-off, without his write-off. Right. It's like, I will choose who replaces who. We cut away from that incredible scene, Starlight in a cab, ignoring her mom's texts to try to connect with her daughter because I think, wasn't it at the end of season one where Starlight kind of found out that Compound V is a thing and they were created and kind of takes it out on her mom a little bit and kind of cuts her off. Um, Which is important in, in for every superhero's development. Everyone in the seven, to some degree, has that problem of like, I wasn't I, I wasn't raised normally in a loving household for what, one reason or another. There is a reason why. Yeah. Like it was done to me. Right. Yep. They were all used. They were all used as a way for their parents to profit. That's mm-hmm. all it was. Yep. So they haven't patched things up. She pulls up to uh, kind of not the seediest motel, but certainly not. It was a budget motel. Um, this is probably my favorite scene so far. So I, I had to stop and show uh, Lindsay this part. I was like, <laughs> hey, 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 come here. Um, she, she's at this motel. She sees this car pull up. You see she has the um, the personnel file uh, that, who, that Huey gave her. Uh, the guy's name is Matthew Colbert. Um, and it says codename Gecko at the, at the very far left of it. She watches these two guys get out of a cab. One's kind of pretty disheveled looking in like a hole, like a, not a holy, but like a, um, filled with holes, raggedy. denim jacket. Yeah. Rickety rackety. Uh, I think this is, is the official term. Um, they just, gets, they're just called hipsters now. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, <laughs> be, please be woke. So, uh, he gets out, uh, with a very professional looking guy, like in a suit. Uh, initially my thought was, uh, this is like, Whoever Starlight's following this must be this dude's attorney or his parole officer or something. I assumed the motel was used for, you know, this is fucking where you stay until you have a job or some shit. Um, They go in. Colbert's very like, like looking around as he closes the door, goes in and just starts like unwrapping. Like plastic, Plastic, yeah, covering the bed and stuff with it. And you're like, oh, okay, he's just going to fuck this dude. Cool. I was like, he's going to pee on him like in Horrible Bosses. Like, what is happening? Oh, maybe that was it. Yeah, maybe it's scatological. Um, I mean, like the the whole scene does like evoke some pretty sincere, you know, prostitution, kind of seedy prostitution in a motel vibe. You know, that is that it's definitely deliberate. They're trying to evoke. This is this is akin to a sexual like act that society frowns upon. Yes, correct. Um, upon entering the motel room, Colbert lays out the plastic wrap. He asks the dude in the suit, whose name is Ted, what his poison is, arms or legs. Ted chooses arms and, uh, Colbert says, well, 400 bucks puts his arm on the, uh, like little vanity, um, night table thing. And you're still like, what is happening? And I was like, Oh, okay. What's, (laughs) what's going on? Starlight looks on through the window and, Colbert takes a machete out of his bag. You're like, wait, 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 what? And hands it to the dude. <laughs> and Ted is kind of like, there was going to be something like we're, we're growing limbs at, at that point when he get to, got the machete out. I'm like, okay, I can fill in the blanks like, here. Oh, get go. Okay. I think I know. What's yeah, gonna yeah, yeah. Um, and Ted's kind of like, so do I, do I chop it or do I saw it? And he's like, eh, I don't fucking care. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Machete, floats- you're not going to saw with a machete, you idiot. He, wow. he actually teeth. The way he says it is also like such a like kind of, you know, um, 
it, it's such a like this is a clandestine prostitution meeting kind of kind of line. It's so it's so uh, coquettish. It's like whatever floats your boat, Tiger. <laughs> like, you, you, he's like making eyes at him the whole the whole time. It's so good. I took it as like a, this is a routine. It's like, dude, I don't fucking care. Just do it. Yeah, you know I, what I mean, I, I got three more appointments later today. Someone's gonna cut off my dick. Um, this is how I, I saw it. Kind of to me, but okay. fair I enough. Feel like Gecko couldn't care less about what was happening. He's like, all right, whatever. Just, just do whatever you want. Just, you know. But well, that's, that you that's how he that, reacts when back. the yeah. guy actually like takes the machete to his arm. Like the only reason he recoils is just because he doesn't want to like get hit with his own blood. But he doesn't yeah. react like it's painful. He just turns, which makes me think that it has bit. happened a lot of times. <laughs> like this is a very right. regular occurrence. Apparently, he doesn't feel pain. <laughs> well, and that's that's always a thing with. Uh, superheroes or, or anti-heroes that have some type of healing ability they always make like one nod over 80 comics of like yeah i heal but like it still hurts and it's just like all right yeah we get it <laughs> but everyone's invulnerable in this show if they're a superhero so uh, yeah. it also kind of fits um seems like it after uh ted finishes chopping off his arm he's like i get to keep it right oh that was gecko's so, like was weird. oh just make sure like you refrigerate that. it um, his arm grows back. Ted is like, "Oh, that's cool," or whatever. And then Gecko's like, "For a thousand dollars more, you can chop off my dick." <laughs> Which t- t- Ted responds, well, "Where's the nearest ATM?" <laughs> um, it's a pretty it's good, really good gig he's got. It was. It was really good. Um, what do we think about when you think about a lot of heroes and how they can monetize their powers? Um, ABC's was it ABC or NBC's Heroes dealt with this a little bit on. One of them. on some of um, the carnival on how you could kind of make superheroes monetize their, uh, their abilities, things like invulnerability or, or um, self healing and stuff always kind of seem pretty lackluster. They're not really flashy um, versus like, Oh, I can shoot beams or I can turn people into pigs or whatnot. Um, <laughs> I can well out. Yeah. People into pigs. Yeah. There was, <laughs> there's a guy in my hero academia that turns people into meatballs. Uh, so, you know what I mean? You could, yeah, you could do that. He's a cool, he's a cool dude. Yeah, he's a cool dude. Um, <laughs> I just learned tonight there's a guy with grenade hands. They're, it's part of his costume. They're not actual grenade hands. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. It's, it's part of his identity. That's what it, what it is. Like. I saw one picture. But it, yeah, in terms of like how to monetize your superpowers, I think that this actually is part of a broader point that the boys makes, which is that even in a superhero society, like part of the boys is all about in a in a in a in a society which has superheroes is it going to be a justice league like situation where they hold dominion over the earth and they solve all the world's problems and they're like a super government no they're under the yoke of a like a of a company they like the people right. in power in our world are still going to be power in power in that world it's just the 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 context changes changes so it's still like a hyper capitalistic society that all these superpowers exist in so the idea that one of them would get exploited in a way that is not all that far removed from prostitution, I feel like is is commentary on the nature of how they treat superpowers, which is to make a buck. You know, like that's that's the means to an end here. And I think that Gecko in both of his jobs, right, because he's also a test subject for pay and he's also a uh, I was trying to think of like gay for pay, but like with a uh, with a rhyming scheme for decapitation of some sort for dismemberment, dismemberment for pay, I suppose. The point is he's exploited for money. Like that is his purpose. That is the purpose he's found with his superpower. Arm regrow for dough. Oh, that's good. I was trying to think of something that rhymes with, with schmeckles, but just what? nothing was coming to me. <laughs> what? Um, schmeckles? Gets his face sh- sh- 
speckled for schmeckles. Uh, okay. <laughs> but anyway. Do you mean shekels? Yeah, I did. Well, it's a schmeckle. <laughs> Schmeckles is the is the currency in Rick and Morty. In a Rick oh, and Morty all right, so at least it's a monetary device. It's um, not the worst. You figured it out. <laughs> we'll get there. It just won't be pretty. Um, so the, the point is, I think it's it's intentional the way they're showing what happens when you don't make it into the seven or a superhero group. Well, you still use your powers for money. That's right. the nature of this world. Makes sense. Spider-Man doesn't get paid for being a vigilante. He has to have a part-time job. You That's true. Yeah, exactly. Even if you do have red powers, you can't always monetize them. Um, mm-hmm. And that kind of plays on the whole um, Civil War thing. They wanted to register everyone, so you're not just a vigilante anymore. You're an officer, quote-unquote, uh, who can get paid for cleaning up the streets. Speaking sure. of streets... Back of the Haitian King's hideout, two members uh, stormed down the stairs uh, really quickly. Um, dude's arm is really fucked up, like real bad. Um, Mother's Milk can't fix it. Frenchie and the guy who brought in the injured dude. Is he a medic? Is Mother's Milk like that a... kind of seems like the role that they've made for him. Yeah, he was like patching up dude and pulling out a, a bullet in that opening scene with Huey. Yeah. So that, that certainly seems to be kind of his role. Maybe that's part of... The Haitian king. I feel, kind of I feel like he was either. former military at some point, but I don't know if they mentioned it in yeah. the show. Um, he was working at like a gym before. He was working at like sure. a like a like a rehab center or like a youth center yeah. of some sort. Yeah, that's what it was. Yep. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he was just generally shown there being a badass and being cute. <laughs> He's awfully cute. <laughs> like every time he shows his softer side, it gets me. <laughs> so, <He's dog. laughs> the uh, I love it. The Haitian King guys kind of tell him that, you know, some shit went down on the docks. So the boys take off to the docks uh, where there's a big fucking boat just strewn on the, uh, just the flat end of the harbor. Yeah. Um, after watching some CCTV footage, uh, the situation turns out that the gang uh, had been attacked by one of the dudes that apparently they had been human trafficking. I didn't see the situation there. Goff. <laughs> um, so... At this point, Frenchie wasn't even aware that these guys were smuggling peoples. And they're like... They had human his, cargo. They're like his people. Like, they're, they're working together. And yeah. he didn't know they were doing this. He was like, he I was just thought pissed. it was fentanyl and guns and stuff. Not people. <laughs> it was just... A, you know, yeah, he's got standards. You gotta have it. You gotta, gotta draw that line. And yeah. a lot of people do it. Human, human trafficking, I feel like. Um, drugs and guns are cool or whatever. You know, you can give them to kids, but you shouldn't give kids give other people. people to kids. I, I don't hate the detail that Frenchie was cool with, like you know, shipping fentanyl and meth to people. Cause like, <laughs> right. He's generally portrayed pr- like a pretty nice dude because of his relationship with Kimiko. Mm-hmm. But like, we shouldn't forget that he's like also a drug trafficker who's done a lot of, who's like, and, and also like a gun smuggler. Like he's yeah. still not a, still not a good guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's just, kinda... he's, symp- he's sympathetic, but he's not really a good guy. Just cause he's a bad guy. doesn't make him a bad he guy. Doesn't make him a bad guy. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> So we yeah, see- I would love to watch him watch him crush someone's <laughs> head between his thighs. Um, so they're watching the CCTV footage, and after all the uh, you know humans they smuggled came out, um, one of the gang members has what looks like a disagreement with just some random dude. To me, it initially looked like maybe he was driving the boat or something. It didn't look like he was one of the people that came off it, but. And the dude is arguing with the gang member just fucking lifts the boat Jedi style and smashes it on the guy, um, which to me the injury that the guy had when they went back to the hideout seemed drastically under what having a boat thrown at you should 
inflict. Yeah, because the guy that came back was like just his arm from like here down. He said all the bones are broken and whatnot. He, in the arm and also the ribs. Oh, he did mention okay. ribs. How does the right. impact work like that? Like it just like, pinched part of him and they pulled him out <laughs> yeah. like he was uh, the Wicked Witch of the West or yeah, whatever. Yeah, the video like, looked kind of weird there. Like it happened so quick and like the body just kind of gets thrown back and like the debris from the ship. Yeah. It's hard to tell. Maybe like it. impact, like he was co- cowering and like a big crate like impacted his arm and then his chest. Like I can yeah. almost see or it seems like there should have been more damage. Yeah. <laughs> it was a boat. The dude should have been a fruit roll up at that point. Like anyway, uh, we cut well, we, back to maybe what? he's invulnerable like everybody else. Oh, that's actually a super good point. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, we, even we've seen yes. Huey get around. A, by this guy isn't too. a soup. This guy's I mean, just not, a gang member, isn't not, he? But everybody's not invulnerable. Not that we're aware of. <laughs> I mean, maybe his superpower is that only his arm is vulnerable. <laughs> Talk about and, and superpowers. superpowers. And part of his rhythm. Can you imagine the conversations he and Gecko would have? Right. Man, my arm can't be cut off. Oh, man. I get mine cut off all the time. <laughs> Word. <laughs> so we cut back to Ashley running a focus group. Um figuring out what the best term to call the bad guys is uh, super criminal, super villain, super terrorist, super outlaw and evildoer bonus points uh, on the side of the whiteboard. It also asks what's the scariest country. Uh, the term super terrorist is by far the most scary to the people in the, the group, but super villain plays better. Uh, Homelander also pretty much tells Ashley to fuck off and that uh, it's going to be super villain, not super terrorist. Right. And that the kind of tagline for Homelander and the seven is going to be saving America, not saving the world. Um, And makes it very clear that America is going to be the one to put them as an international powerhouse, not the world itself. The UN is probably not going to let Homelander do that shit. And I love how like the focus group, when they vote on, is it save America or save the world? And everybody raises their hand for save the world. Nobody raises their hand for save America. And Homelander's like, nope, save America. I don't care. Yep. And that's that's two good points there. One, he's still establishing dominance in that yep. relationship. And right. then two, as you said, he wants to make uh, America the centerpiece of this struggle. It's kind of like a, um, it, it almost ties into that little bit in Watchmen with Dr. Manhattan is like the first thought is God exists and he's a human. And then the second thought is God exists and he's an American. Like the, the distinction is important that they are, we are at the, at the front of this. Right. Mm. Um, yeah. I also love the amount of time that we spend just in boardroom meetings. <laughs> cause, yeah. cause what is that? This is, these are the people that control the world. They are a company. So we should have a lot of company meetings I for how- all that. We've seen the seven. They don't rescue people. They're, they're just people in a company. <laughs> I was definitely thinking that multiple times throughout this. These first three episodes is like, when do they ever actually do their job and be superheroes ever? Right. Like we never, which see is that. the point. Mm-hmm. That's the exact point. And they did that in the first season, right? Where all the, the, all the, all the going on like dual missions or whatever, they're all the crime itinerary set up ahead of time. They do, you know, they 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 fake their crime right. stuff like that. Yeah. That's all pretty true to form to the comics, too, like where they don't actually they don't even seem to they don't seem to solve thing. They just further their own agenda as bought. Uh, we cut back to the deep. He wakes up in jail because that's where uh, we last left him uh, getting arrested at that water park. So he wakes up in jail. Um, someone's bailing him out. It's. Some fucking dude named Eagle. 
Hawkeye, Green Arrow, what yeah. the fuck ever. He's uh, the archer. Eagle, Eagle the, the archer. Eagle the archer. That's all you need to know about him. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> they 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 sort of have like a. Is this where they kind of have a bro down of like how good is their power actually? It's slightly later. Yes, slightly um, later. But initially, uh, Eagle's like, I met you like five times, man. I saw you at Voitcon. Like Voitcon. Voitcon. Oh fuck. Voitcon. <laughs> um. And he's like, oh, yeah, you have arrows, right? And he's got like a quiver on his back. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> you're the yeah. arrow guy. <laughs> um, so he brings him back to his place. They kind of hang out a little bit. And he's asking him. He, he offers him a fresca, which is apparently a thing like at a very regular basis with Eagle. I don't know if there's any context. For I, that. I have no idea what that is. It was like soup. Like, here, have a fresca. Yeah. Uh, just like have a so It's like, like code for something. I don't know. It was weird. Maybe this is how blatant the product pay, pay, placement needs to be in the lesser superhero groups. If they don't have Vought to back them, oh, maybe that's yeah. like part of their identity. They're always selling whoever they're partnered with. Um, it is regular enough to be, you know, it, it draws focus, like yeah. how much they reference Fresca. It absolutely does. Um, so I think they, they do have the conversation when he wakes up, though, about like, I'm just a joke. I'm the, I'm the fish guy. And the other guy's like, I'm just, a you know. I, I I feel like you do because sometimes I'm, I run out of arrows or something like that. Oh, There's some sort about, of conversation. Yeah, he talks about um like the time that he realized he needed to like find himself or something was at like a the Kroger incident. Like there was a warehouse <laughs> store fire out, and he's like, I shot all eleven of my arrows, and there were still a lot of bad guys, and I was just like. I can't do anything now. Um, I I some I like missed that part of the conversation. I must have stopped paying attention for a minute. I totally missed that little story he told. Maybe uh, I just was, didn't care about Eagle that much that I just sure. didn't remember. That's fair. That's valid. Um, <laughs> which I, I think is a great point to to call those types of heroes out for what they are for the for the Hawkeye or the Eagle or the um, the Punisher. Uh, I guess to a lesser extent, just mm-hmm. the you're just a dude. And you just have a weapon that's really kind of arbitrary. Uh, and I get that it's different than a gun, so it makes you special. But like you're good with day, it, but yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're just shooting some sticks at people. And that's I think not, it's- when everyone's vulnerable completely and immune to damage, it's not really going to do much. I think it's also sort of a meta joke about how, like, in every superhero group, there's always an archer. You, you need know? to relate there's- to somebody. Ever, everyone, you know, like uh, in Young Justice, they had an archer in Justice League. They got an archer. They, they you know, DC, Marvel, everyone. There's archers all over the place. And it's because people like bow and arrows. And in this world, he exists because people like seeing bow and arrows. There's no actual actual practical purpose behind it. It right. just plays well. It and does, it's it it's cool. a similar kind of gag hero to like the Aquaman. He talks to fish. Oh, Green Arrow. He shoots a bow and arrow. Like I think they're kind of similar in that way. And not even like good arrows, like ones with like a boxing boxing gun. clubs. Yes, <laughs> um, best arrows. It's so good. Someone sometimes I want to punch someone who's all the way across the room. Uh, Eagle brings brings in uh, what seems like kind of like a therapist or something. A woman named Carol, who then also offers uh, the deep fresca. And they kind of Timothy's heard the good that. news. You missed that. Too? I missed that. She gave him a fresca. Oh yeah. She walks. It's, in. it's very regular. How yeah. often he gets offered a fresca. <laughs> um, and they kind of like have like an intervention a little bit. They're like, well, you need to come to terms with like, what's up with you and how's the deep and what's the deep doing. Um, and this is where the deep, or this is where Eagle gets into like, you know, I had my rock bottom moment here. You're at rock bottom now. Like we can do this together. Uh, 
Carol kind of dangles this carrot for the deep being like, well, they haven't replaced you yet. There's not another person there. You could get back in the seven. And that's our job is we're going to help you uh, achieve that. If that's assuming what you want. And she pulls out this book called like welcome to the collective or the shining light of the collective or something like that. He gets inducted into Scientology. Yes. Yeah. Just a superhero 12 step is really what it looks like. <laughs> I, I like that he's going through an intervention, though, because in all honesty, that is what he needs. Yeah, he's clearly sure. in denial. He's clearly in a downward spiral. He may deserve some of it, but it doesn't mean he's doing well. Like he'd probably need some help. Right. From a storytelling point of view, that's like there's not much else they can do with the character anyway. Like he needs some kind of maybe a redemption arc or at least, you know, like the self-discovery arc kind of thing now that he's just lost it and but does anyone want that does anyone want a a, the deep redemption story or do you 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 keep him as like a wild card where later on he ends up trying to do something and fucks it up by throwing a bunch of octopus or something yes that's what i want i mean i want him to try to redeem himself but not really ever achieve it because he's a shitbag i don't really like that that much like Like, i I, go ahead sorry so what he's what you know what we were introduced with him and annie is just awful. <laughs> like, yeah, to have to to try to build a redemption story into that is kind of like, yeah, but I can't. You can't really come back from that, right? I I, I think that like the I think that there is a part of it that I could connect with with uh you know so often in kind of sexual assault stories the the victim is the one kind of given the spotlight, and we don't really see what happens to the victimizer. And they they're doing a lot of work humanizing the deep. Yeah, and I really want to sure. believe that it's purposeful because if it's just for the sake of, you know, you kick him while he's down again for the sake of comedy. I feel like that's that's really missing part of that whole uh, that whole story. The whole like, what do they do after after this thing has happened? I would like to see them build it back up as either a redemption arc or him falling farther. Um, I yeah. would I would rather something meaningful happened. He becomes a big bad character. guy. I could see I honestly, would, honestly, I would kind of be fine with that. Yeah. That'd be kind of neat, except that he sucks. So he'd be he more does, of a, he does suck, Any one of the other seven could take him out, no problem. He'd be like the mini boss. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, he he's holds, a joke boss, though. He holds the key to the big boss or to the map of the dungeon. <laughs> and he's like, ah, now's my chance. And it's like, ah, oh, fuck. Deep, can you just give us the fucking key so we can get the hook shot or whatever? There's so much more to talk <laughs> about him later on. Um, I'm so excited. So we cut back to the boys uh, at the Haitian King's place. Uh, Frenchie mentions that apparently he's called Butcher. So my understanding, or at least how it seemed, was that they didn't know where he was after the whatever happened at the end of season one. Um, yeah, that's what I thought, too. Because yeah, um, Homelander like, took him away, didn't he? Right. Like, yep. Um, Huey brings up that, you know, he had been talking to Starlight, which leads again to the group fighting kind of about how they should proceed. Uh, Huey divulges that Starlight is helping him get some Compound V. Uh, Mother's Mel quickly um, values finishing some type of uh, project, I believe. Or the fucking reason I can't finish that Vermont country dollhouse. I will fucking end you. Um, Everyone kind (laughs) of disagrees on... Whether they it's should so good. I love it so much. Alicia he's so Thorne. cute. It, whenever he's really domestic, it just yeah. gets me right there. <laughs> and he's a you know he's a large black man, so like the the, right. the context of that is very funny. Terry Crews, I feel, also would have played a phenomenal Mother's <laughs> Milk. Mm. Um, but everyone kind of disagrees about how they're going to move forward. Um, 
alerting the authorities about the rogue telekinetic guy. Um, ben, this is where I think uh, Huey mentions that one else kind of wants to bail and like, you know, go yeah. their own ways, try to fix their lives however they can. And Huey wants them to continue doing what they're doing because Vought is still bad. Everyone still agrees on that. Mm-hmm. And this is all he has. This is the only thing in his life that is worth doing. So he wants them not all to split up, but he's not much of a leader. So it's it doesn't really it, that doesn't that gives them purpose, but not really anywhere to go with it. I, I believe this might be the same place where Huey has the aside. It's like, don't you know that there's that one guy and then he does something really awesome and everyone likes him. This could be that spot for me. This could be my time to do something awesome. And everyone thinks it's real cool. Um, I don't think it's ever going to get better than you played my butt like jazz from the first <laughs> season. <laughs> I think that was his defining moment. Huey said that. Yes, I totally when he was bl- about that line. when he was when he was blackmailing the one uh, the one Baptist guy, the the one guy, the Gabriel or whatever. Yeah, Ezekiel. Ezekiel, yeah. He's like, you played my butt like jazz with willingness to improvise. <laughs> I, I don't think it's ever going to so get better great. than that. Yeah. No, he peaked. Um, Starlight. Uh, runs into Gecko uh, in a diner. Runs into. Runs into. With air quotes uh, for podcast listeners. Apparently, Did you see you here? Apparently, uh, they have a history. Uh, they were like church camp Mickey Mouse Club people together. Um, Starlight, <laughs> it's for Christ, right? Right, yes. Yeah. Um, Starlight has this like, uh, losing my religion, that's me in the corner moment, um, trying to connect with Gecko, who's obviously... Not in the best of places, especially since she knows, you know, he's been whoring out his healing powers for for cash. Um, And he buys it, kind of. Starlight asks Gecko, um, who apparently works at the Voight Labs. Did I do that right? Fuck! The Vault Labs. Uh, Dan was nodding. I was like, yeah, I said it right. Uh, Nope. Uh, I wasn't listening. It's patronizing nod. (laughs) That was pity. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Starlight asks Gecko to uh, steal some Compound V. Uh, Gecko's like, what do you mean? What's Compound V? Um, And then she, you know, whips out the video of Ted chopping his arm off and most likely chopping his dick off, too. Uh, She's awesome. I love love her arc. I love how, like, she's getting wise to the game and using all the... uh, She's she's not just, like, the naive person in the spotlight anymore. She's, like, using the the levers of power that she has in order to get shit done, which is exactly like what Huey did. Vought has, like, taken their normal lives away from them, and they're each kind of evolving in step. Yep. They're getting harder. They're getting smarter. They're, like you know, becoming, becoming real players. And I, I really like that, especially with Starlight, where she doesn't kind of continue on the trend of just being naive and maybe even naive on purpose. Um, and she's just like, all right, well, the fucking world's really shitty and we have to be shitty to, to, to things survive. Done. Yep. Or less, yeah. <laughs> um, so she blackmails uh, Gecko with this video and it's assumed that he buys it. Uh, we cut over to a studio lot where Homelander and Queen Maeve are shooting a promo for Saving America. Um, we get kind of an alternate take, like uh, like a Facebook Live or an Instagram Live of uh, a new person dressed up in a superhero uniform being like, ah, here I am. Look, that guy over there isn't a real military guy. You saw him on season two of uh, CSI. Or Look, this isn't a real compound. This is a lot. I really hope that that was actually like an extra who also who actually was in CSI. I didn't like look into it, but that would be pretty funny. All of the little tidbits or stuff that we end up finding out here. I mean, that seems like 
I would almost bet more on it than it not being the case. Yeah, yeah, probably. Like they've done enough work for the rest of it. Like they could have easily just snuck in whatever line. Yeah, uh, homeliner, uh, yeah, homeliner, homelander is kind of like. So who the fuck's this chick? And she's like, oh, they tell you up on floor eighty nine or ninety nine or whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the new member of the seven. I'm Stormfront. Fuck you. How are you? And uh, she's kind of awesome. I love how she just doesn't take anybody's shit at all. Well, and he well, does one of those eye glances where he can certainly tell, like. She's recording this or streaming it or whatever. So you get. So he's got to put on like, the brittle smile. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yes. Now is Stormfront directly as she should be from the. Uh, All right. Comics? Yeah. Let me. <laughs> I gotta. I gotta say some things. So, <laughs> in the comics, Stormfront is just a straight up Nazi. <laughs> just, just like, is is exactly like. Captain America or Thor plus Shazam or something. He's just like this big hulking. What if Homelander were a Nazi? Like he's got like a scar down his eye and like kind of the German like evil scientist style. It's all there, like to the point of calling Mother's Milk Schwarzen at one point. Like just no holds barred. Just call it like the German word for black man or whatever. Oh, gotcha. Um. Or, or derogatory term, I assume, given all the other stuff that goes on in there. But he's just like a straight up roid rage neo-Nazi for the entire thing. And he gets taken down eventually, so it's all good. Uh, but the first thing that this Stormfront says when she walks up is he she goes right to Homelander, looks him in the eyes. and is like, wow, your eyes are really fucking blue. Which is, I think, just a nod yeah. to like the people who know him from the comics. Oh, they're they're calling attention to the fact that in the comics he was just an enormous neo-nazi all the time so i dig that and i i kind of dig that they gender bent him a little bit for this not a little bit. oh yeah they did um <laughs> they gave him just what? a hint of vagina um <laughs> but uh, what i don't get is why vot signed off on her because she doesn't seem to she doesn't seem to be at least playing the game like everyone else is she seems to be just a she seems punk. Just I guess she's trying to be like the edgy. Yeah. She's trying to get the edgy crowd. Yep. And it might she may have been playing the game up until she got the job. And now that she got it. That's very true. She's too. like, well, I'm just gonna be myself now. Well, and maybe, maybe it was the everything. same thing as maybe it's the same thing that happened with Starlight, where like they told her, Don't act like yourself. That's all nonsense. And then she acted like herself, and because she got good ratings, they were like, Oh yeah, keep fucking doing that girl power. So like maybe it's something like that where like they saw that her edginess uh, actually sold really well and they were like yeah that's that's fine take us to task kids well, are way into irony these days and Maeve kind of recognizes her at first too and is like oh you're from Seattle right and she's like well Portland actually so I I guess <laughs> on immediate um, reaction was like oh she's gonna be a more progressive uh, character um, which yeah you know she could be who knows very well um, that's a good reasonable right supposition um, the group ends up uh going to meet with CIA agent Rainer, the boys, the boys, the different, boys. Yeah, different group, not this group, but, uh, absolute boys, but the boys, not with a Z, um, go to meet CIA agent Rainer. Uh, she asks if they've talked to butcher, um, MM said, asked about his family. If his daughter is okay. She's like, Oh, actually kind of gives him what he wants a little bit. She started soccer. She's doing well. Everyone's fine. He's such a huge marshmallow when she says that too. Yeah. He just he like is. completely melts. Um, they tell her about the ten, the telekinetic guy at the docks. Um, as she talks about Voight, kind of Vought. Vought, fuck, <laughs> fuck. Um, you have to keep all of those in. 
Every single one. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to edit this shit. Um, oh, good. <laughs> uh, or at least the video. The video will go up on cut. But uh, as she talks about Vought, right? There you go. Yeah. Right. But, uh, you know, if only I was looking at a screen that had the word Vought three times in it. Without, um, <laughs> without an eye. Her nose just kind of like starts bleeding as she's talking about Vought. Yeah. Like, um, what's going on here? And I was like, oh, she's got some fucking power, too. So, you know, she's doing something really neat here. Nope. Her fucking head explodes all over everybody, all over everybody. And the gang fucks off real quick. I love how they all freak out. Like, ah, 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 get her like a band. Yeah. <laughs> like none of them keep their cool at all. Broken, freak broken out. sentences. Yeah. And we don't so see where great. it comes from. We don't see another dude in the background, at least as far as I saw. It looked like um, it just explodes outward. Yeah. Completely. Like what, what the, what? And Rainer was kind of their saving grace. Like she yeah. was their person on the inside. And Ben, from what you were saying earlier, I'm assuming in the comics, she was probably a little bit more important, assuming that the character was there. If they were kind of on CIA payroll. Um, yeah, they, she was their main point of contact the, had a had a you know working relationship with uh, some gratuitous sex scenes with a uh, butcher, butcher just kind of on the sly. But yeah, kept uh, kept them on the payroll right up through to the end. Uh, she didn't, actually didn't die in the comics. So oh. this is, we are off the rails. All right. Oh, no. OK. Well, the rails. <laughs> well, shit. So they're fucked. Everyone's fucked. The story's fucked. I mean, I mean, the boys also don't have super strength in the show so we're off the rails already because okay, um, that's one of the things the cia does they just inject them with some v some like super refined v that just gives them super strength oh, <laughs> the oh. comic books are fucking weird oh gotcha so i that was my understanding of the premise is ah, it's a bunch of people without powers that are really mad at people with power so right, they get powers and fight them um the whole point it's, it's more the distinction between superheroes in the spotlight and normal people they fuck over uh, it's not so much about the superpowers is like the uh, unrestrained superpowers, I guess, is, is the point. Gotcha. Yeah. I do want to mention here real quick that while they're talking with Agent Rainer, she says that like, oh, I've, I've been so close to figuring something out. And I think you guys just gave me the last piece of the puzzle. Yes. And then her nose starts to bleed and they're like, wait, what's going on? And then yeah. this is my last go. And then I, I'm going to retire tomorrow. You know, I'm going <laughs> to move to the countryside and everything uh, just Spend some time with the missus. Do we think her head exploding was another soup in range blowing up her head? No. Or was it like a implant in her brain or something? And as soon as she figured something out, it was going to go off. I think it was some kind of implant because of the nosebleed first. I think it could be a soup. But it could have been. For sure. I mean, I guess that was my initial reaction. I just assumed that there was some guy over there with, you know, I'm squishing your head powers. My thought um, was that it was something that she triggered. Gotcha. She's that there was somebody just listening and then hemorrhage until it hits it. the button. Beep. And then her head blew up. Shit. It also makes sense. I, I'd be surprised if they were able to implant something into her. Like this is the CIA and Vought is the one who pulls the trigger almost certainly for her head exploding. I'm almost it, like Vought operates on have the superheroes do the wet work stuff. So I'd be I think that they probably just have a guy who isn't publicized because it's not good for the brand who can make people's head explode. Yeah. But uh, Captain it, very easily, it could be the... could also be an implant. Like <laughs> who the fuck knows? Captain head exploder. Um, so <laughs> he didn't test well with kids. No. Yeah. yeah the, right. The optics just weren't good on him. Um, <laughs> So we, we cut over to Homelander confronting the CEO of Vought, Stan Edgar, um, on hiring Stormfront without his sign-offs, something that Madeline apparently would have never done. Um, Homelander effectively does the, like, I am the Senate, no! 
<laughs> people turn into Sith without me. Um, <laughs> fucking Edgar. He just doesn't take any of a shit. Like, no he's shit. just like, you don't understand. Don't you know. are not as not even close to as important as you think you are. Uh, the actor, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, um, who plays uh, Stan Edgar, uh, also okay. played Gus in Breaking Bad. And also on The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. I mean, we haven't seen very much of him in The Mandalorian yet, though. He was in the last episode, is it? Right. Um, but he, he was plays- the actor for Baby Yoda, right? <laughs> He, just him just him in a little puppet suit and they put him in the background like in the hobbit to make him real short he supplied both the motion capture and the uh voiceover for it uh, yeah <laughs> i thought so um so this particular actor plays a, a very particular character very well yeah. and that's the the dude in power that just regularly has to deal with people that are under him mentally mm. or at least but, but, in, in, in but also arguably picture but arguably also those who have more power than him, like in a, an objective sense. And he yep. he regularly he's very good at putting on a cool face when faced with um when faced with a lot of danger. Like that one scene from Breaking Bad where, you know, he gets out of that room after the bomb goes off and he just like takes the time to like button up his suit again. Like half his face hanging off. Yes. What a like, great I, scene that was too. Oh, it's so good. And it, like that perfect like little personalizing detail. Um, but I, I think that that is his character here as well, is yep. he's cool and dispassionate enough to be able to handle a monster like Vought. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Homelander, to a lesser extent. Not a monster, though, just you know, cute baby boy. Um, yeah, yes. <laughs> during, uh, during their kind of argument back and forth, um, Stan goes on this kind of narrative about, like, do you know... Who the founder of Vought was? He's like, well, I've read the autobiography five times, but no, I don't know who he is. And he's like, oh, well, he was a Nazi scientist who had, uh, you know, a whole bunch of fucking people to experiment on. He was this brilliant geneticist that was way ahead of his time and just, you know, did a whole bunch of horrible things. But in true Vought form, saw the winds turning and was like, ah, maybe the world's not going to be okay with me experimenting on people and twins all the time. Uh, That's like what happened to Disney. I mean... (laughs) That's probably, me wrong. that's probably where Change they got it from. Yeah, actually. Um, <laughs> so he switched sides and uh, went over to the Allies and, you know, just kind of used, continued his research there. Um, Einstein figure in that way. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah. you know, just kind of built this, uh, or he he made the Captain America, effectively, of, of this world. Is that Lady Super Liberty? Soldier Boy. Soldier, Soldier Boy. Boy. Soldier Boy, I tell you. Um, and use them to, uh, you know, beat up the Nazis. And then he makes the point, you are under the misconception that we are a superhero company. We're not. We're a pharmaceutical industry. And you are not you are not as important as you think you are. Just fucking showing him the floor, despite the fact that he could laser him at any time. Yeah. In in the comics, this figure is always at is always present at the Vought meetings. Um, This just and I don't even remember his name. That's how much of just distilled corporate executive he is, where like it's very clear that, yes, you could laser him. But the CEO survives. The position in charge of Vought survives. So it's actually pointless to try to threaten him because he's just not going to rise to your bait. Yep. Which is, oh, it's so gratifying to see Homelander just being a petulant child and having someone be like, I got nothing for you, kid. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I love seeing him actually lose. And and that's it's yes. the first time I think we've seen that, because anytime he dealt with Madeline before, there was always a give and take. She'd always give him something to make him feel like, well, he's walking away with something. He's a big boy. So he won. 
Um, and that's, that's actually not, where not the case like the relationship is entirely take where he's he's setting all the terms. So yeah. he really needs to be taken down a peg. For yeah, sure. he absolutely does. Um, I mean, he shouldn't, though, because once again, he's a baby boy. But God. Um, this is certainly the first time we see him lose um, in one of like these, in any capacity. these altercations. Yeah. And not walk away with with something that he was going for. Um <laughs> And I think that this is kind of we're going to see a similar relationship to to him and um, Madeline in the first season, but very different. The way he's going to approach it is going to be very similar where you're doing this thing I don't like. We do it Homelander's way or we don't do it at all, except it's yeah. going to have a very different response. I think the point of like the fact that he is still prone to having to follow Vought's orders really cements the fact that he's not really the enemy here. Vought is right. Yeah. He is just a tool. Mm-hmm. Um, so to set that in motion with like this little interaction that shows that like the person in charge literally doesn't give a shit what Homelander does uh, is is really useful in defining. Well, he's a symptom. The problem is the actual company. That's very true. He was just following orders. You know, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> um, do we find it humanizing at all that Homelander is kind of lost here, and that it may seem like he's not the real bad guy? There's Raditz isn't the real threat. There's an additional threat above him. A little bit. Is, is Vought Vegeta or is Vought Frieza? Oh my God, Vought is a special beam cannon. Oh shit! It's gonna, <laughs> that takes right, him down. Well, fuck. So, you thought you dropped some Goku lore, some Dragon Ball lore on me, but I got the PhD. <laughs> um, I, I think it is. They are taking pains to humanize all of these shitheads, right? Yeah. Whether they're on the boys side or whether they're the fucking deep, you know? So like, it's not without purpose. This is a gray and gray morality situation. Um, so like the fact that he is again, he's just he exhibits childhood trauma from every pore. Uh, and just because he's a shithead doesn't mean that he doesn't feel real pain associated with it. So absolutely, they're trying to humanize him. Mm-hmm. He is a man in grieving for this relationship that he had, maybe the only real relationship that he had, which is why he had to you know, combine uh, priorities and make them their, his mother and lover. Because, um, you know, slim pickings when you're a god. But I, I think that that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to humanize him. And this scene does do it by like making him seem really hurt and rejected, like almost by a father figure. Like dad didn't have enough time for me. Yeah. Well, and we see, I mean, he brings that up a fucking lot. Yes, he does. Dad thing. Yeah. Um, he has a childhood trauma elemental. I so, think they're setting it up, give, humanizing a little bit. Have you feel a little bit more for Homelander? Like I know personally, I didn't by the end of season one, I was like, this guy's just awful. I, he didn't seem to have any redeeming qualities. As the, a character, the plane scene's the big turn. Oh my there. gosh, yeah, but, that was awful. But at least you can be like, I mean, it's pragmatic. I mean, I guess and, that's fair. But I think, and they here, kept him as a box as a child. Like, it, it's not morally defensible, but it is understandable given his upbringing. Yeah. Like, it oh. informs his behavior. It doesn't excuse his behavior. He's not exactly. acting outside of the nature that was instilled in him. I think that, yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. But I think they're setting it up for. I don't think they're. I don't think he's going to get a redemption arc. But I think they're setting him up to, to just to stoop to new lows. I think he's going to be even worse as the season goes on. Have you read Injustice? Yeah. So I think that that's a similar thing is what happens to Superman when he loses his connection to his loved ones and he turns into a tyrannical dictator. Uh, this is following pretty closely to that formula, actually. Um, 
And by Red Injustice, I mean I played the Mortal Kombat game. It's the same thing. Um, it's got the same voice actor. <laughs> yeah, so I, I feel like so. I, I know it, but... Yeah. Uh, Do you actually know the, 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 the main start of Injustice is just that they kill Lois Lane and all of Metropolis, and Superman is just left to flounder in the in the face of that? Well, they have Superman kill him. Isn't, isn't that the whole premise is that... Uh, it's different the from the games. Oh, gotcha. It's, it's, the, the Joker gets fed up with losing to Batman, so he just kills all of everyone that Superman loves, and then Superman becomes a tyrannical dictator. Yikes. Oh, okay. Yeah, in the and game. the main idea is what happens to a man with overwhelming power when you take away his uh, connection to the world. Kind of like Dr. Manhattan, but, like, shittier. So, a bit. I, I like the game version of it just slightly more, because that twist of the knife of um, the Joker gives Superman some Joker gas or whatever. And it's Superman himself that kills Metropolis and Lois Lane under the guise that, or is no, that is, that is oh, what happens. Okay. And yes. I was using Joker by proxy. Oh, yeah, gotcha. Joker did yeah. By using jo- Superman. Joker's at fault. Like that one told up in court, right? You know, like yeah. I, uh, honor your honor. I was under Joker gas. Like, uh, yeah, it was kryptonite infused. So it got past the invulnerability. You know how it is. Am I right? Red is written. <laughs> you know what I mean? We've let people off for this before just because <laughs> I happened to kill a metropolis. Uh, <laughs> happened to kill a metropolis. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Like, yeah, the, the, the so this is the alternative to Madeline. Like he he's. Yeah, he is. He is exhibiting just a lot of child pain, I think, all the time, as evidenced by the sexy breast milk drinking scene, which gave me a boner. Uh, I mean, how could it not? <laughs> but uh, he responds to parental authority. So when it was Madeline, you know, there was a reason that she behaved as a mother figure. And it was because that was what the handler needed to do to appeal to him. And now he's kind of getting the disaffected dad. I think that he just really responds to parental authority figures. Um, and that's that is like in the comics, like they always had a Vought executive who didn't give Homelander the time of day. And because of that, Homelander would be petulant, but he'd be controlled. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so after this, we we pop over back under the uh, the pawn shop. The boys uh, are cleaning up from having that CIA agent exploded all over them. Um, and they're discussing how most likely um, Vaught just assassinated the deputy director of the CIA. Uh, Huey gets a call from Starlight. She tells him that Gecko is going to get the compound V4, which seems like that's happening really quick. Um, for what I would have assumed would have been a plot line for the majority of the season. Right. Um, it feels like there should be some industrial espionage like thread for multiple episodes, but yeah. nope. We got it. No, someone's going to go do it. Oh, okay. You're well, just going to walk over there and get it? Oh, yeah. I'm just that was easier than I thought. <laughs> um, she senses that uh, something's off, that something happened. She kind of pries a little bit and is like, is everything okay? Uh, something. I was disappointed in Huey is here. something going on? Yeah. I was too. Huey is kind of a slimy little shit about it. And Starlight sees. Yeah, and she sees right through it. She knows. She's he's like, lying. listen, she- you lied to me all of season one. I don't know if you watched it, but I did. And <laughs> uh, I know what it's like when you're lying to me. So what's going on? He's like, nothing. No, it's okay. Nothing. I swear no, to God. I'm fine. Nothing. And he's like, no, I swear to God. It's, it's okay. No, nothing I, happened. I promise you, like, it's super nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, a man falls down the stairs, uh, followed by a man in a really sporty tracksuit. And it's Billy Butcher. Butcher! Uh, I can't believe we just like have not seen Butcher this whole episode. I, I was 
you know, I was transfixed, but like he's he is the show in a lot of ways. I missed him yeah. so Carl I mi- Urban's one of my favorite actors, and I was like, he walked in, and I was like, yes. That um, shit eating grin was just yeah. oh, he's so good. Um, and he leaves us uh with the phrase, Daddy's home. <laughs> it's very good. Um so great. So what do we think so far? Uh we've seen a couple new characters, Gecko, Eagle, uh, Stormfront. Uh, at least they're the three new superheroes that we've seen. Um, do we think any more Gecko? I hope we see more Gecko because Gecko looks like maybe this is me projecting a little bit, but like the hot piece of ass at theater camp kind of kind of vibes. Yes. Me. Like he yes. seems like he could have anyone he wants. And like, I just really, really connected with that. <laughs> like he just, he just, just looks like he looks scrumptious. I don't know. Just. Um, uh, I, I could I could stand to see more of him, and he's, he's like kind of slinky and creepy. I well, don't know. I got more of the slinky, creepy vibes from him. Well, I, <laughs> oh, I got all of it. It's all in this too. <laughs> he had kind of a dichotomy, uh, di, dichotomy? a, a dichotomy for me, um, <laughs> a diphtheria. Yeah, where he, in that initial scene we see him, has a ton of confidence. Um, yeah. And then when he's dealing with Starlight initially, Seems he's like very he's cool dude. passive. Um, and then is put at kind of the the negative end of that situation and follows through, which I guess uh, he's a complicated character. But the vibe I get from him is he's probably not going to be a, around long. That's just my yeah. my guess, especially since he's doing corporate ep- espionage. He seems like kind of like a Segway character. Um, was Gecko was Gecko in the comics or? No, and I'm very happy about this inv- innovative direction. Like that character is very good to me. Just like the yeah. the little sprinkling of world building that they put into this necessary plot element, that's very elegant storytelling. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, Eagle also has this vibe to me a little bit, where he is probably just part of the trigger of the initial of the Deep's redemption arc, and that's probably it. Like he seems a MacGuffin for. The deep story and that's it. The yep. Deep the deep feels like that to me. Like I <laughs> right. we spend an awful lot of time on deep shenanigans, and I wonder if it's just they're trying to put comedic moments in and they figured out, well, he's a character that has nothing to do with anything and he's ridiculous. So let's just always have him carry that. Well and is I wonder if it's that or is he gonna is it gonna pan out to be something major going forward? Maybe it's oh. a Chris Claremont seed. Because yeah. he, he doesn't get a ton of screen time. His bits are really short and yeah. really brief. Um so it could be something that's building for something significantly, uh, hopefully more impactful later on. Yeah. Stormfront, I think. Um, Strong gonna start. Be, yeah, it's going to be kind of a major player for uh, this yeah. season. Her, she had what, one scene in this episode, and it was awesome. Yeah. I just love how she it, put, yeah. put yep. Homelander and Queen Maeve like, in their place at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like Who could like to stand up to both of them and just be yourself like that? And this is going to put Homelander in a really weird spot, too, because now he's getting it kind of from both directions. He, at the very start of this episode, is being talked up by Starlight of being like, he's the savior of our team. He's held everyone together. He's the rock. Um, and he's also kind of had that relationship within Vaught as well um, when Madeline was around. But now he's not getting the same type of respect within the company or within the team. And it's variable, right? It's it's yeah. not under his control. Storm, uh, uh, storm, storm, something. Stormfront. Yep. Stormfront is not someone who even pays lip service to the idea that he's in charge. Right. Right. Um. So yeah. Yeah. 
So there we are, the end of episode one. Shit ton happens, Whew. obviously, in yeah. the first episode of the season. A lot of setup. So this one. I'm uh, really itching to figure out what's going on with like Becca and and Butcher's old family and the and that kid. Yeah, honestly. Yep. Like they just introduce it at the end of the first season, and then like the first episode doesn't comment on it at all, and no. I'm just they, I'm just tearing my hair out. Why are you doing this to us? Um. <laughs> So if you enjoyed this, uh, expect two more this week and one for every episode of this season. Um, check out Ben's stuff over at FancyBat.com, uh, the Carton cast, as well as another couple other podcasts within their grouping. Uh, mm-hmm. Check out Dan on uh, Grim Podcast of Perilous Events. Grim A. Check out Dan on a Grim Podcast of Perilous Adventure, a WFRP actual play based on the fourth edition of the Warhammer Fantasy role-playing game. Um, he nice job. has some other shows too. There's a bunch of other shows on this network, but this is the first one with video. <laughs> you you didn't mention it, and just so there's no confusion, Carton Cast is about old cartoons because I don't think that something that has carton like carton of eggs and then looks like a carton of eggs in arc image pick really sells the idea of what it is. So just to get it out there. <laughs> um, and if you have to start someplace uh, with the Carton Cast as well, I would suggest um, the sixth annual Cartoni Awards. That's where I started. Yeah. It was, <laughs> great jumping on point and a very recent uh, as far as releases go so um i i turn the mic on and it's a blur i black out and i wake up by the end and i just hope that the middle was okay um (laughs) my wife absolutely hates it but i've worked kunai with chain into most i'm so happy i have no idea if that would sell with anyone oh man and uh, i'm i'm a man that appreciates joey wheeler and I, uh, I saw your Yu-Gi-Oh references in our notes page here. <laughs> I was just like, there's no way there's no way he knows the mythology of Kunai with chain. So we're in a good spot. You're in a, you're in a good spot. Glad watching this Cause there's a lot of uh, great shit here. So check it out. And come a lot back, of great shit to come. Come back tomorrow or Thanks later so today or whenever the next fucking episode comes out, but it's going to be real <laughs> shortly. So if it's not out by the time you got to the end of this fucking good job, because you, you got on it quick, <laughs> but that's it. Oh, so long. Mon ami. Petit chui. And finger guns and moonwalk away. Finger guns and moonwalk away. Thanks so much for listening. Why don't you go and check out all the other great shows that the Professional Casual Network has to offer, including season one of The Space Between Presents I Saw a Tiger, which follows the Netflix smash series Tiger King and details the acid-washed antics of Joe Exotic, Carol Baskin, Jeff Lowe, as well as others. This season, we're taking a deep, dark dive into the four-part Netflix docuseries Jeffrey Epstein Filthy Rich. Big Fiction Energy is our audio drama pod in which Tim, Danny, and myself tell the story of Lanny, the Girl Without Fear, a fantasy novel by Dan. A grim podcast of Perilous Adventure is the Professional Casual Network's Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay Actual Play podcast. We're playing through The Enemy Within, which is widely considered one of the best campaigns of any RPG. Join Dan as the GM as Danny, Tim, Alexander P. Nelson, and JB try to survive the perils of the old world. And if you needed more deep dives, also check out The Space Between, which is a discussion and review of the best games, comics, and nerd movies of today and yesteryear. We also have Elite Eight Showdown with high-octane host Big Chuck and his research team. Join him while he financially ruins his partner Tim and completes an eight-team tournament bracket that could be about anything and everything. Lastly, we have Professionally Asked, Casually Answered, a totally real, totally fake advice show where we take questions and topics from you, our listeners, and do our best not to completely ruin your lives. Danny, where could people follow us or ask us questions for professionally asked, casually answered? I'm so glad you asked that, Tim. 
You can go ahead and email us questions. Our email address is theprofessionalcasual at gmail.com. You can also follow us and message us on Instagram at theprofessionalcasual. On Facebook, we're facebook.com slash professionalcasual. Twitter, we're at top tier casual. Our website is theprofessionalcasual.com. On Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash professionalcasual. And you can also check out Lindsay's Instagram at lindsayfphotography, where you can check out all of her great photos of abandoned places and events. What are some other things that people could find on our Patreon, Danny? They can find Sarah's doodles. They can find different vlogs. They can find lots of polls. I know Big Chuck's got a ton of stuff up there. It's all just a wild time. Extra bonus content, all of those things. 